Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. is not the Amazon River, it's not the Nile River, and it's not uh, the Mississippi River. The widest river is the If Only River. So many people stand on that side of the river banks, they look over across the river, they can't figure out how to get across, and they would say, oh, if only I could get married, I'd be happy. If only, if only I could get that car, I would be happy. If only I didn't have these pimples, I'd be happy. We've all been there, haven't we? You know, if only, if only, if only, if only my job would never lay people off, you know. If only, if only, if only. And so what we do is that we handcuff ourselves by something that's out of our control to our happiness. And all of a sudden, what we, what we strap ourselves with is this inability to experience happiness in our lives because we're, we're, we, we're this if only. And let me just tell you something. Listen, um, I've lived 51 years, and I can tell you this, that you're always going to have an if only in your life, a need. Like you never get to the point where not, you don't have something going on in your life. Would, ever, would you agree with that? Okay, find someone that's about 80, 90 years old and ask them, and they would tell you, yeah, if only I could get around better, they would say. You know what I mean? So we are always are going to have a need, so we have to learn to be happy now. Now, what I want to tell you this is that if you, will not, if you can't be happy right now, you're never going to be happy. And so we have to learn to be happy right now. And, and I'm so passionate about what I'm going to share with you today. What I'm understanding is this. A lot of things that we're praying for, that God cannot do for us because it's something that we can do for ourselves. You know, uh, my father is a diabetic, and when he was diagnosed uh, years ago, the doctors told him, said, listen, you can have a great life ahead of you, but you're going to have to change. You're going to have to change your eating patterns. You're going to have to change what you eat and, and the things that you eat. And when you do that, you'll have a healthy life. If not, you're going to put yourself in the grave, and there's nothing that we can do for you. And so what I want to tell you is God's looking down at us today and saying when it comes to this fear and anxiety and things like that, there's some things that we're doing to ourselves that we have to learn, okay, this is my issue. God, you can pray all day, but God can't do it until you do it, right? You have to take a step, and I have to take a step. And so today I want to talk to you about some of those things. Now, look what the Bible says in Philippians 4, again, our verse. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Would you read out loud those next two words? Let's read them. Ready? With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all your understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. So again, what he's saying is, is quit standing on the banks of what if, and then move to the shores of already. In other words, God, what you've already done. I'm going to be thankful today. I'm going to be happy today. I'm going to be at peace today. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be free today because of what you've already done. Because, God, what you've already done enables you to do what you want to do. Amen? 
you know, talking about this uh, thankfulness, it's so funny to me. I remember uh, when I started pastoring this church, and, and if you look on our wall back, our history wall back in the lobby area there, our church was really small, and uh, I had been the pastor like two weeks. I was 26 years old, and you know, the majority of the people in the church were 65 years of age or, or older, and so I, you know, wanted to be needed, and here I am like their grand, you know, like I'm their great-grandchild's age or something, so, you know, I, won't, I've got, I feel like, you know, at 26, I don't know about you at 26, but I felt like I knew everything. I'm like, come and talk to the great one, you know, come on in. And, and so I had a, uh, a little office right outside of the auditorium. It was a small place, but I had a little office. The second week I was there, I went and sat down in that office before church started, you know, and, and I got a knock at the door. Yes! Super pastor's here. Come in and speak to the Almighty. Right here he is. So basically I come in, this elderly lady comes in, and I said, uh, yes, ma'am, and I don't know her. I can't remember her name. I said, sister, so just sit down right here. I went behind my desk and said, <clears throat> what can the Almighty One do for you? I didn't say it quite that way, but that's what I was saying. And she said, oh, Brother Jeff, I want to tell you God has been good to me this week. She said, I just want to say thank you because you prayed for me last Sunday night. And then when she said that, she just stood to her feet and she said, I want you to know you prayed for me. And when you did, I want you to know my bowels had been locked up for a week, but God set me free, 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 free this week. <laughs> and she squatted right there. He set me free, 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 free. And I said, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm telling you, I know I should have been more spiritual than what I was. I should have said, God is good, but I could not crack up myself. I said, oh. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to laugh, don't you? Welcome into my world. So if your bowels locked up, we're good. You don't have to tell me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So what I want to tell you is that today we have to learn, we have to move from this worry and we have, to all, we have to make this transition from worry to worship. To worship. Move, making a move from worry to worship. And so today I want to I give you another SEC statement that we say around here. And I hope that I say them over and over so that you don't forget them. And that statement is coming on the screen. I'd like for you to say it with me. You ready? Can we just say this together? You ready? Come on. When my worship goes up, my worry comes down. Do you believe that? When my worship goes up, my worry comes down. And so today I'd like to talk to you about how to lower my level of worry. How many of you would like for your level of worry or anxiety to go down? Let me see your hands. Okay, that's about all of us. So we're, we're, we're talking about a topic that we all care about. I want to give you three things today that I am learning. I have not perfected, but I'm learning. That is learning to bring my anxiety down. And I think if there's anything that we need to teach today is, is that we need to get this so that we can show it and display it to the next generation because their anxiety is very high. And so the first thing i like to share with you is this. Are you ready? Okay, I want you to do me a favor today. I want you to ask the person beside you, are they ready for this? Go ahead because this is tough. Are you ready? I, I mean, you better, you better buckle up for this because it's going to take your breath when I say it. You ready? Here it is. You ready? It's not a curse word, but it's close. Here it is. You ready? Stop 
complaining. Oh, didn't I tell you? Oh, boy. Stop complaining. I read something this week that was just amazed me. said this. Studies have shown that complaining physically rewires your brain to be anxious or depressed. Did you hear that? Psychologists say that when we complain, when we're constant complainers, it rewires our brains to be anxious or even depressed. You see, would you agree with me that, you know, you can either be a grateful person or a hateful person, but the more that we complain, the more we lean toward hatefulness. Would you agree with that? Now, oh, I know that you don't think you're a complainer. You know why? Because complaining is like bad breath. You don't recognize it until it comes out of somebody else's mouth. Some of you are going like this right now. It's the truth. Is that you don't recognize it until it comes out of somebody else's mouth. And, and, and I want to tell you that we have to learn to change this. Now, there's basically three types of complainers. There's number one, the venter. And that venter is a person that all of a sudden they've had it up to here and they just go off. You know, they just like blah, 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 blah. I mean, it's like a machine gun. They go off and they don't listen to what anybody else has to say. They just go off. The second is what I would call the, uh, uh, or what is called the sympathy seeker. This complainer is whining all the time. They're like, everybody has it better than me. I just don't, I can't get it together like you. Wah, wah, wah. My best friend's Eeyore. Would somebody please call the ambulance? Right? Whine all the time. And, and, and so they complain that way. And then there's the chronic complainer who complains about everything all the time. Everything all the time. And it, there really is a danger. I mean, it's been, uh, uh, psychologists tell us that there really is a connection between chronic chronic complainer and a deep sense of worry and a deep sense of depression. So what I'm trying to say to you is that we have to begin to watch this. Now, I want to tell you that, you know, I don't know out of the three which one you are. I don't know if you're the venter, you know, I don't know if you're the sympathetic, uh, uh, what we call the sympathetic seeker, sympathy seeker, or the chronic complainer, but I found out I'm the venter. I mean, like, I can go off on you in a minute. When I've had it up here, I mean, it's like, it's, I can just get diarrhea of the mouth. You know, it just goes, bruh. You know, it runs off real quick. And, and so, I don't know where you are, but I can tell you, I can tell you who the worst are. The worst complainers I know are the people on cable news and talk radio. Let me tell you something. If you want to be depressed and you want to be eat up with anxiety, then you just keep filling your mind with that stuff all day long, and you, you will be one big piece of mess. Is what you'll, be. you'll be in a knot, amen? I don't, I don't care. Listen, I don't care if you're left wing, right wing, you have no wings. I don't care. All of them are complaining, constant complaining, constant, 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 constant complaining. And if you input that, guess what's going to come out? is that you're going to be just like that. And I'm telling you, it destroys your peace. So I've got some news for you today, is turn off the bad news and open up the good news and let Jesus Christ do something inside of you. He'd do something inside of you. Now listen, it's, it's easy to amen, but I challenge you to turn it off. Just do it. Just, I'm telling you, just make a vow before God for one week to see what would happen. 
And I guarantee you, your, 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 your anxiety and your stress level will go down a little bit. Now, look what the Bible says. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18. He says, Rejoice always, pray when? And give thanks in all what? Now, notice he didn't say give thanks for all circumstances because everything we go through is not good, but God is always good no matter what we're going through, right? Okay, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, there's an author by the name of Max Lucado who uh, wrote a book called Anxious for Nothing. In this book, he begins to tell the story of uh, his wife, or, or this guy that he meets. Actually, his name is Jerry. And Jerry's about 78 years old, but uh, he has a wife by the name of Ginger, and Ginger has Parkinson's disease. And Ginger is, uh, you know, so the retirement has not been what they thought it was going to be because they were hoping, you know, they were believing that retirement would come and they would be able to travel and do all these things. But because of her, Ginger's health, they've not been able to do that. Their, their time has been filled with, with giving medications, hospital stays, and, and, and care for his wife. And, and, but he said, the, the things Max Licato says about Jerry is that when you meet Jerry, he's a guy that's got a, a smile on his face. He's always got a joke to tell, and he's always cheerful and has joy. And he says, he cornered him one day and said, Jerry, how do you have such joy with all that you're going through? He said, well, every morning we get up. And he said, the first thing I do is I ask Ginger, what do you want to do? And she says, the first thing she says, let's sing together. And he says, I always ask her, Ginger, what do you want to sing? And he says, the song never changes. Every morning we sing the same song. She says, let's sing, count your blessings. He said, then we will sing that song, count your blessings. Then when the song is over, we stop and we count our blessings. He said, that's the secret. And here's what I want to tell you. Listen, if you're always counting everybody else's blessings, you're going to be full of worry and anxiety. But if you'll start counting your own blessings, you'll be filled with peace and joy and contentment. Amen? Count your blessings. Count your, count your blessings. Count your, count your blessings. And watch what begins to happen inside of you. Watch what happens. So I have a next step for you. It says this. I will do my best to replace my complaining with proclaiming my blessings. Oh, my goodness. They're going to fall out tomorrow when you go to work. Oh, I know, I know it's the last week of school this week, but when you go back to school this weekend and you start proclaiming your blessings and start, oh my goodness, they're like, what, who is this? Because it changes you and it changes the people around you. Now, I know that not everybody has a, a circle of people that they can share their blessings with, and so we like to offer you that. Inside of your program, there's a card called Circle Up. Is this an opportunity for you to get around some people that, you know, you, you can share your blessings with and you, you can get to know them and possibly make some friends. So I would, I would challenge you to uh, sign up for this on the back of your connection card. Circle up. Okay, so, so we said this, that uh, we said that, that we have to, number one, that the first thing that we have to do is that we have to stop complaining. So the second thing we have to do in order to lower my level of worry is this. Number two is start speaking words of life to your thoughts of worry. Oh, my goodness. Oh, this is the one I almost called you at 5 o'clock this morning. Because I wanted you to get it so bad. Look, look, listen. I pray for you. I really want you to get better. I really do. I, I pray every day that your life get better. 
You see, I'm learning this stuff and my life's getting better. And I was like, oh God, don't let me go up by myself. I want to take you up with me. I want you to go. I want you to get up. I want your life to get better. And so as I began to talk about this one, this is a game changer. Remember, it's something that we can do, that we can pray all day long. God, take my, lower my worry, God, lower my anxiety, my stress. But until we do something different, it's not going to get better. And here's something that we can do. So look what the Bible says. Psalms 19 and 14 says this. Would you read what's underlined with me? You ready? May the and the be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock, my redeemer. Now, would you agree with me, the words of my mouth are the things that we speak and that we hear, right? But the meditations of my heart, that is the things that we say to ourselves. Our thinking process, right? It's the, it's the words that we say to, to ourselves. And let me just tell you something. The reason that I get you to repeat a lot of things here in church is because you will believe what you say to you. You will believe yourself over me or anybody else any day of the week. And I believe me over you. We, be, we believe what we say to ourselves more than what we say, more than what anybody else says to us. And so, and that's why if you can say it out loud, many times it helps sort of seal the deal a little bit. And that's why I get you to, to repeat some of the scripture. Now, I want you to do something with me. This is going to seem a little bizarre, but just trust me, all right? Would you just take your fingers like you're, like you're holding a piece, a slice of lemon. Would you just take your fingers like that, everybody, if you can, a slice of lemon, this lemon that you're holding, I want you to picture it with me, is the most sour piece of lemon you've ever had in your life. I mean, it is sour. You know it's going to be sour. And so what I want you to do with me is that we're going to bite this piece of lemon. You ready? Come on, let's just do it. Oh, my goodness. Now, what I want to show you that that's silly, but what I want to show you is, is that you notice your saliva glands like you just had to swallow, right? Because here's what I'm trying to tell you is that all of a sudden what you begin to picture in your mind, your body responds to. Whatever picture you create, whatever your picture you create in your mind, your body is responding to that. It does something. And right now, you're still swallowing, aren't you? I see you. Hold on, God. Hold on, God. Get this lemon out of my mouth, you know? Yes, uh, I see you swallowing like that. And so, your body responds to that. Now, that's why the Bible says this. Look what the Bible says in Proverbs 18 and 21. He says, the tongue has the power of what? Life and death, life and death. So here, so my question is this, what are you creating by what you're saying? You see, when you begin to say something to yourself or you begin to say something out loud, all of a sudden you're creating a picture in your mind and your body's responding to it whether it's happened or not. And that's why many times, that's why you're so worked up and that's why you're so worried. It hasn't happened yet, but your body doesn't know the difference because you've got the picture right here. See you didn't, I didn't see anybody with a slice of lemon. Nobody had that. But because you created the picture, your body responded to that, right? See what I'm talking about? So here's the deal. Watch this. If you don't like what you're seeing, watch what you're saying. If you don't like what you're seeing, watch what you're saying. If you don't like what you're seeing, if you don't like the picture you have in your mind, like, like right now, you know, like, uh, I don't know if you've ever had this experience. All of a sudden, you just begin to have a little twinge in your chest. And you go, oh, my God, you know, a little pain in my chest. Oh, well, maybe I'm, maybe, maybe I'm having a heart attack. You know, and all of a sudden, sudden you've got a picture of an emergency room. They're standing over you, beating on your chest with a paddle. And you're like, oh, no, I'm dying. Dramatic, right? Isn't that the way we think? 
Because all of a sudden, we have a little pain, a little pain. Listen, you just need a burp, baby, that's all. <laughs> you, you, you all right? And, and see, you got that little pain, and then all of a sudden in your mind, you've already got yourself in the hospital, and they beat, they, they got the paddle ready to shock you. And, and then all, but when you're having those thoughts, you're like, I mean, you're freaking out, right? We've all been there to some degree. So you create it. Look what Jesus says. Jesus said this in Matthew 11. Truly, I tell you. Jesus said, I ain't lying to you. <laughs> Truly, I'm telling you. Truly, I tell you. Would you read what's underlined? You ready? Come on, let's read it. Ready? If anyone, if anyone says, notice, notice the power. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their hearts, but believe. Now, let me, let me stop right there. Remember what we said? I'm talking to you right now, and you might that guy is just so full of it. Right now, you, you just say whatever, you know. But when you say it, you believe it. You, you believe you. So he says, notice what he says, and, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that. Let's read what's online. Ready? Come on. What they say will happen. It will be done for them. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. What mountains are you creating in your own life by what you're saying to yourself or to others? What mountains are you creating? You, you see, it's not really there, but it's there. That, that's what worry is, right? Worry, worry is something that's not happened. It has not happened. We're afraid it's going to happen, but it hasn't happened. And all of a sudden, we build it up. Right? We make a mountain out of this. And we say, oh, my God, I don't know what I'm going to do with my kids. Oh, dear God, I don't know. Oh, they're going to be drug addicts. Oh, God. Uh, you know, oh, I, don't, I don't know what we're going to do with our finances. Oh, God, I don't know. We're going to go have no food in about three weeks. Oh, we're not going to have, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do with this lady I'm married to. Oh, God, dear God in heaven. What about, oh, this husband, oh, God, I got. Lord, I, I don't, I don't want to, Lord, wait, this ain't going, our marriage ain't going to make it. And all of a sudden, you take a little something just because the man left his underwear on the floor. Now we're getting a divorce. You know, it's over. All of a sudden, you know, oh, if he leaves his underwear on the floor, you know he's cheating. But you see what I'm talking about? It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And Jesus said, you're going to make the mountains by what you say. You're going to make the mountains. So here's what I want to tell you. Worship. Either in your mind you're going to create worry or you're going to create worship. Now, what is worship? Worship is making God bigger than the issue in your mind. The only way, the only way to remove the mountains is to speak to those mountains and say, listen, my God is bigger than you, and I will choose to focus on God over you, and I will make the picture of my God bigger than anything that you ever be in my life, Right? I, I, God is, when you make God bigger than, than your worry, when you make God bigger than your circumstance, and all of a sudden, guess what? Peace comes in like a river. Joy comes in like a river. Hope comes in like never before. And all of a sudden, you've got a smile on your face. All of a sudden, your heart settles down. And you, all of a sudden, you begin to be the person that you want to be. Amen? Oh, 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 watch this, watch this. Watch this. No, 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 no. Watch this is what I'm talking about. Watch this. Worry and, worry and worship cannot share the same space. You understand that? 
all that, you letting worry live rent free in your head, but, but that space was made for Almighty God to live in your mind and in your heart. So what you begin, when worry begins to pop up and say, oh, we're not, our marriage is never going to make it, you say, my God can do anything. He's greater. He's the greatest marriage counselor I know. Our God is a great financial provider. He's a great physician. He's the healer. He's the way maker. He's the ever-loving God. He's yesterday, today, and forevermore. Our God is King and Lord of all. Oh, oh, I... I know that you're, some of you are sitting there saying, that sounds good. Yes, it does sound good, but it'll be no good until you say it. See, I can say it all day long. I can tell you how good God is, and it will just mean that much to you. But when you get down, and when you get beat up by life, and when you're going through it, and you say, oh, no, my God is greater than this. He's greater than my exam. He's greater than my marriage problem. He's greater than my financial problem. Then, oh, it's only then that it begins to change you. You know, now you see why I wanted to call you at 5 o'clock. I wish to God somebody would have told me this a long time ago. You're going to get better. You're going to move the mountain. Quit trying, to, quit trying to pray for Stone Mountain to move. You move your own mountain. Mm-mm-mm. God is bigger. So let's say our statement again together. almost forgot. You ready? Come on, let's say it. Let's say it again. Mm -mm. I think somebody's starting to believe it. Number three, would you write this down? It's practice contentment in Jesus. Practice contentment. It's not automatic. You've got to practice it. The problem with this is that we have what is called conditional contentment. Conditional contentment. I will be content as long as I've got a little money in the bank. I'll be content as long as everybody in my family is healthy. I'll be content as long as that, as long as my teacher gives me the right grade. Ooh, hallelujah. I, I, I will be content as long as that college professor likes me. I'll be content. It's conditional contentment that's destroying us. You see, it says things like this, as we said, you know, I'll be content if I have a new car. If I can get that new car, I'll be happy. Oh, I'll be content if, if we can just have a baby. I'll be content. Oh, I'll, I'll be content if I can just get married. Oh, I'll be content if I can just get divorced. <laughs> See what I'm talking about? Uh, it goes on and on and on. And this guy, Paul, that we've been reading about in this Philippians, wrote this verse about all of this. He's in a jail. He was in the, as a matter of fact, the jail that he was in was not like an American jail. It, they didn't have air conditioner, they didn't have ESPN, they didn't have any of that stuff. Matter of fact, we was in Honduras a couple of weeks ago, months ago, and we went to buy the jail there. I saw a real jail. A real jail said, listen, they have no lights in that. There's just bars up, concrete, and there's no window. I mean, like, it's just open environment. Like, hey, whatever the weather has, that's what you have. And if somebody doesn't bring you any food, you starve to death. That's jail. 
And Paul was in one of those kind of jails. As a matter of fact, they had no bathrooms there, so, so people had to go to the corners of the room. And so it smelled, and it was, it was bad, and it was nasty. And, and from, the, from that jail cell, from preaching the gospel, he's locked up, and he's chained to a guard, and he begins to write these words. Look what they say. He says, I have learned how to be what? With, let's read those last words. You ready? Whatever I have. That's maturity right there. You're going to be stressed out until you finally say, you know what? I'm just going to be thankful for what I got. I'm just going to trust God with it. What I got. I'm going to be thankful. Let me just say this one other thing before I move on. Part of contentment comes in when you get to know yourself. And at SEC, we have a way to help you do that. It's called Growth Track. It helps you just begin to define who you are and, and, and see what, how God's created you. And I would challenge all of you. If you haven't been through Growth Track, you can sign up on the back of your connection card to do that. Paul goes on and says this. Look what he says. He says, I know how to live and almost uh, I know how to live on almost nothing at, or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Now, would you read the last part of this with me? Ready? For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And so what he was saying was this, is since nobody can take your Jesus, nobody can take your peace. Learning to live. You see, what I'm understanding is this, is that, uh, is that failure cannot take my peace because Jesus paid for my sins. Betrayal cannot take my peace because Jesus said he'd never leave me nor forsake me. Sickness cannot take my peace because he's a great physician. He said he'll either heal us on this side of the grave or that side of the grave. And death cannot take my peace because when you know that Jesus conquered death, that means that we will never be separated from God if you're a child of God. Then death can never, ever, ever take your peace because we are complete in him. What I want to tell you is what you have in Christ is greater than what you, never, what you do not have in this life. It's greater. I learned a lesson of contentment. Every, you know, everybody is t- teaching something with their life. There's a man in our church that, uh, that taught me contentment. His name is Brad Wagner. Brad went to be with Jesus Monday. You probably saw Brad. The pictures are coming up. You probably saw him around here taking photos and so forth. But a few months ago, he was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. And you know, um, Brad was content. I've never seen a person so content. Brad, uh, I remember we had a, a, a motorcycle ride here just a few months ago few weeks ago and I'd heard about Brad's diagnosis and I went up to him I said Brad how you doing he says pastor I'm good and he knew the how you doing is not the typical how you doing like or you know how's your day it was like how are you doing and he said pastor I want you to know I'm good contentment listen I don't know how I would be I'll just be honest with you but he was content as, his, as the disease continued to take toll on his body, he became bedridden. I talked to him on the phone. I said, Brad, how you doing? Oh, pastor, I'm good. That's what he said, I'm good. He left this world Monday, but the Tuesday before, I talked to him, and I said, Brad, how you doing? He said, 
Pastor, I'm doing good. Coughing a little bit, but, but I'm doing I'm good, Pastor. And this Monday, he's doing really good now. Really good. How can a man look at death like that in the eye? Brad Wagner, he stared death right in the eyeball and said, You don't scare me. You don't scare me. I got a question for you. Do you have Jesus? Do you have Jesus? That's the question. Do you have Jesus? And today, I want to introduce you to him. If you don't, he loves you. Inside of our program, there's a prayer in here called the prayer to become a Christ follower. This is how you get to know him. And he's waiting. He had you here come today so I could tell you this. And right there is the prayer. You can pray it yourself. And he'll meet you where you are. The only thing we ask you to do is check the box on this card. So I'm praying the prayer to become a Christ follower so we can pray for you. I'd like for you to stand with me if you don't mind. I want us today to practice what we've been preaching. You've been saying it. I want us to practice it. It's coming up on the screen, and I'd like for you to say it with us again. You ready? Come on, let's say it. You ready? Come on, let's say it again. Come on, are you starting to feel it? Let's say it again. Come on, from the depth of your heart. situation in Jesus name hi this is pastor Jeff again I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message if you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church simply go to our website at secview.net again that's secview.net and click the give tab we want to thank you again for being with us today God bless you have a wonderful day